Welcome to the Pack the House Show, where we have conversations about sharing your faith as you walk through life with others. Uh, I'm Andrew Osborne. I'm Director of Online Ministries here at Quarterstone, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason, as usual. And also today we have uh, Aaron with us. She is a disciple here. Uh, we're glad to have her join us in this conversation. Uh, yeah, today, exciting to have a, a fresh perspective. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. No problem. Aaron, by and, the uh, way, this is the first time we've had people watching while we do these, so you must be popular. <laughs> I did tell a few people that I was going to do this, so. Ah. <laughs> so they see you and they're like, oh, this must be better. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> well, yesterday we heard in our services um, about empathy as we are finishing out our Teachable Moments series. Uh, and Pastor Dan preached to us. Uh, about John 15. So we're going to read a few verses from that. We're going to read John 15 verses 9 through 12. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. All right. So we we heard from Pastor Dan and from our other pastors this weekend um, about how Jesus wants us to have compassion towards others and have empathy towards others. So, Aaron, I, I want to hear from you. What what do you think that might look like in someone's life? Life. Um, I think that sometimes as Christians we can see like to the end, because we know that, you know, the battle's already been won. And so sometimes when somebody's in a really dark place or they're grieving or something, we just tend to kind of brush it under the rug and be like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. Yeah. When actuality, that's really not the best. Sometimes you need to sit in it with people and just be like. Erin, can I back you up one second? Yeah. So, so finish the thought. We, we, we tend to say it's going to be fine because why? Because we do know it's going to be fine. Like, God right. wants all things to be good, so. Yeah, but you're saying this that's not quite the best answer always. Right, right. And even with some people that are Christians, if they're really hurting, even though they might know on, a, like, an intellectual level that, yeah, this is going to be fine, like, physically or emotionally, they're not fine. And it's okay not to be fine. And I think having compassion is being with that person that's not fine and getting into the the messiness of it hmm. and i think so what that, i'm not go ahead Andrew. i think we get that example throughout scriptures there's whole books of the bible about lamenting <laughs> and uh, right about job in his situation he he did have friends who sat with him in his grief uh they they ended up not going the right direction after a while but uh they were there with him and just let him grieve for a while and sometimes well, to Aaron's point. To Aaron's point, they, they said a lot of stuff that was useless and not helpful, and then finally they just had to be quiet. Yeah. Uh, right. And I think, Aaron, what I didn't hear you say, you know, you, you told us, I think very rightly, what isn't the best thing to say, but I didn't then hear you tell what to say. And so I think that, like, I think that's, that felt to me like it was intentional. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe you don't have to say yeah. anything, right? Uh, right. I mean, presence is a, is a great way to show empathy. 
you know. Mm-hmm. My mom, she shows empathy by making a meal. Like, if something happens to anybody, it's a Lutheran thing, she brings them a meal. A casserole. <laughs> Good, bad, or ugly. Yes, absolutely. Casserole and jello. It solves everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and for yeah, many those acts of service are showing that you care and that you you understand and you have empathy for what we're going through because you know uh, when I'm going through this situation, I don't also want to have to cook a meal. You understand that uh, right. life needs people to care for those things when we're going through struggles. And as we talk in these conversations a lot about how to kind of how to, how to do these things in a way that points toward Jesus, in a way that that uh, makes it makes us look different as believers. I think the um, the surprising thing is, um, you know, we talk a lot about how to say things in, in particular ways. I think the surprising thing here is not necessarily saying something is the thing that makes us stand apart. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I don't know what you guys have experienced, but but whether it's whether it's believing friends, non-believing friends, lots and lots of people have a tendency to try to make it better, right? Uh, either Aaron, by the way, you said. Uh, well, Jesus won in the end anyway, which is not wrong, but not helpful. Or by doing some sort of at least statement, you know, at least it's not as bad as it could. Um, and so, weirdly, just being being the one to just sort of say, "Man, that's really tough. I'm really sorry you're going through that," and nothing more, and just being there, almost does set us apart, um, and 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 can can lead to those other conversations down the road about kind of what's different about you. And I actually think the casserole thing started because even if you're going through something, it's a just everybody has to eat. Like everybody has to eat. So this is a need that they're going to have that I can fill. So yep. it is kind of a step to if you are a fixer, which, you know, I know a lot of people that are fixers. It kind of does both. It kind of makes you feel like you did something, right? And yep. also provides for the person that's going through the situation. So, mm-hmm. And it's not like you have to show up at the door and say, I made you this casserole because Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about that in, in, in these conversations, but that, those, those yeah. conversations come later, right? Uh, right. Not every casserole from Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like the, the old song says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And so by our by lasagna. Our, by showing our love in this place. What was that, Jason? By our lasagna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in a sense, it's true, though. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So if I could steer the conversation a little bit, Andrew. Yep. Um, this happens every time where, like, you start out and I'm supposed to let you lead these and then I end up <laughs> doing the talking. I think uh, I prefer this way. As you were reading, and, and the reason that I asked you to read one of those verses is, and again, as we talk in these conversations about how to approach our, our non-believing friends and neighbors, um, how to share with them, one thing we always say is how to share the joy of Jesus with them. Uh, and Jesus addressed that <laughs> right in the uh, right in the verse that we read. Uh, I've said these things to you, and it's, it's all those other John chapter 15 things that we've been reading over the past few weeks as well. Um, I'm the vine and you're the branches and all that. Um, I've said these things to you so that my joy would be in you and your joy might be complete. Mm. And I'll ask the same kind of rhetorical question I asked our Bible study group yesterday. If Jesus is saying your joy will be complete, what does that suggest about the joy that they have now? 
well, it would suggest that they, they have joy. Uh, but right. There, there's more joy to come. Yeah, it's, it's incomplete, right? Yeah. But it isn't absent. Right. <laughs> it isn't empty. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have joy. Uh, and the reason I'm, I'm pulling this out, especially in the context of this conversation, is I don't, I don't know what you guys have experienced, but lots of times, and even when, even when other believers talk to me, and I get a little turned off by it, if I'm honest, uh, because they, they, and I'm not going to, I won't say they, I've done this before too. Um, <laughs> we, we, we tend to present the message as Jesus brings purpose and fulfillment. And if you don't have Jesus, then you have no purpose or have no fulfillment. Or if um, you don't have purpose and fulfillment, you clearly don't have Jesus. Right. Right. Um, and I, uh, that doesn't land usually, right? <laughs> At least with my non-believing friends, their life is pretty meaningful and it's, it's got purpose, um, you know, to some degree. So to tell them, well, Jesus is for meaning. Okay. Well, I have that, right? <laughs> uh, um, before I continue um, sermonizing, any, any other th thoughts around this? The thing that I was thinking is that when people ask me something like, why do you approach this differently? And I don't necessarily attribute it to joy, but they do go together. But like Jesus gives me peace mm. more than anything else. And in the world that we live in currently, where everything is coming at you like 50,000 miles per hour, to have that peace is much more attractive to non-believers, mm. I think, than the actual like, meaningful or purposeful you know what i mean sure um okay, i've got a couple of thoughts um great point um i think right now right now peace might be an attractive thing uh for a lot of people and maybe for others it is meaning or purpose um obviously i think jesus and and my faith for me gives me a little bit of all of those um yeah what I hear you saying is that the, the peace one is kind of more important in this moment. Um, and that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, the other thing that, that, that you said that I want to pull out, uh, and I'm not very articulate today, so I apologize for those watching <laughs> as I struggle to make sentences. Um, you mentioned uh, in the world that we're in right now, in the situation that we're in, uh, that is not necessarily peaceful, uh, the peace is attractive. And I think that's, that's key that kind of situationalness is key to how we approach our friends and our neighbors with this mm -hmm. goes back to what Jesus said and what Andrew pointed out. Uh, it isn't that the joy is absent or totally gone. Um, but there's obviously some, there's more uh, to be had. Um, same with peace, right? I would, I would guess that even, even in a crazy world, it's not that your friends have zero peace uh, right. or, you know, they're running around with their, with their heads on fire. <laughs> but there's there's more to be had, right? And yeah. in the moments when when they feel a need for that, that's the appropriate time to to have the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Or what? If, what? Same thing. Whether it's meaning meaningfulness or or purpose, you know, if if, if my friend has and feels his life is meaningful, I don't need to come at him as if there's no meaning to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but in right. the moment when or at whatever point in life that he starts to feel I might want something more. Well, we know that Jesus offers that something more. And I think a lot of, for a lot of people, those moments come in times of tragedy and things like that, where like yep. a family member dies 
and then they they start to contemplate these things. Well, what was the meaning of his life? I, he was a nice guy. What's the meaning but, of my life. Yeah. What? What? Why am I here? And then they feel that turmoil, and there is a lack of peace in their life because of it. Um, and so that's when we see there's that part missing, and that part is Jesus. And Andrew, great point. Uh, um, and so what you're leaning toward is how do we know the moment? How do we recognize the moments in which a friend might be ready for for that message? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, unfortunately, it's tragedy. Um, <laughs> you know, a death, as you mentioned, a job loss, um, mm-hmm. a, a scary health diagnosis. Um, how about, how about opportunities when it might not be tragedy though? Right. Yeah. I'll ask you guys this. Both of you are parents. So I am not yet. Um, when, when kids are born, is that, it seems to me that's a profound moment mm-hmm. uh, when, when maybe you might start to evaluate things differently. Well, when my last one was born, which was like two years ago, she came out and she had jaundice. Mm. And it was like, they have these levels and the one that she had was like high risk. And then they have to print you out the sheet of paper, like everything that happens if you don't take care of it. Right. Now, mind you, I had just had a baby, so I'm extremely hormonal. And all I read (laughs) is brain damage. Right. And so I'm like exhausted and I'm sobbing, and then something breaks at my husband's work. So he has to leave the delivery room. So here I am by myself <laughs> with a new baby that has now had jaundice, and we have to get her under these, like, basically heat lamp type things to make her not have jaundice anymore. And I just remember, like, I mean, in those situations, you all you do is pray. Like, that's all you can do. And it's such a comfort because then – you're not alone. You know, even though my husband wasn't there with me and it was just me and Edna, like I knew that there was like a whole heavenly house in that delivery room with me, you know, helping me out in this situation. But it's, I mean, every time with parents, it's scary. (laughs) Yeah. And what's really cool about that is you can be that for your, your friend or your, your neighbor, your coworker who doesn't know that yet. So, you know, there's more there behind this, as as you said, a heavenly host. We have the opportunity as believers to be that uh, for people who don't know yet. Yeah. And another example, now that you mentioned kids, um, I I was having a conversation with one of my neighbors a couple of weeks ago. And um, I think he he said that maybe he grew up in the church, but that they they haven't gone since he was young. Um, But he... I think realizes something is missing in their life because he even said, yeah, we've thought about going back to church because I, I want my kids to grow up in the church. So they see it as an important thing um, and that it's, it's, there's something missing that they want their kids to experience. Um, and so as, as a believer, I, I don't want to just like jump all over him uh, and attack him with faith. Uh, but I, I want to be open to conversations with him and uh, encourage him to do that. So Andrew, can I, can we practice one? Yeah. Um, well, first let's call that out for, you know, if we have, if we have grandparents watching um, and we all worry about our grandkids who are not necessarily in the church, I think looking for that opportunity. Um, but then let's, uh, let's play that out a little bit. Um, and Aaron, you can obviously get on this too. <laughs> when you think about, because you obviously have raised your family in the church or, or are raising <laughs> your kids in the church. Um, 
Yeah, they're not raised. What's it? They're not raised. <laughs> <laughs> if only, right? Uh, maybe someday. Um, yeah. What's important to you about, or why do you and why do you you and your your wife decide to do that? Uh, well, there's the the earthly things such as just a, having a community of people that uh, are encouraging and um, faithful and loving toward us. That that's huge for us, and I think um, you can get that in other places, but it might look a little different. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, but again, go, going back to what Jesus said in these verses, he, he wants to give us joy. He wants to give us peace. Uh, and knowing what the future is going to bring, I, I can have joy and peace because I can trust that what Jesus says is going to happen is going to happen. Uh, and I can give that joy and peace to my kids. And so I, I want them to have that and to grow up knowing that their eternity is secure in Jesus. Aaron, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I would say the same thing. Like, you know, when you go to church and you have your kids, you know that, well, my main thing is, is like, I can tell my kids that um, Jesus loves them and they don't hear it because I'm their mom and I tell them stuff all day and they just don't hear it. But then when you go to church and you have other people pouring Jesus' love into your kids, then they, they really get it, yep. you know? So here's what I heard out of that that was so cool to me that I think would be really attractive to a neighbor. Because um, Andrew said, you know, you said your neighbor wants something more for his kids. He wants his kids to be raised with, I would say, some sort of foundation or whatever that might be. And he, without even having to, to do the Jesus love piece, Aaron just said, what you want for your kids, whatever that means to you, what you want for your kids I'm part of a whole community of people who also are willing and excited to support you in that right. and, and to help you give them that. Um, and that seems pretty attractive to me. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, the awesome things about our programs like VBS is that it's a, a pretty easy, safe place where kids can go and experience that. Um, and it, it seems like even parents who don't go to our church, they're willing to let their kids go be with their friends at that. Um, because they know it's a safe place and that they, their kids are going to be fine. Um, but yep. it gives them that opportunity to have other adults in their life who are encouraging them and um, pouring into them. And that can be a, a great starting place for someone to come into the, into the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think going back to the verse that we read, I think acknowledging that, you know, your neighbor can get some of what he wants for his kids through Boy Scouts or, or sports camps or, any number of things and we don't have to fight against that. Right. But, um, but you pointed this piece out. There's a, there's a something more, there's a something lasting, uh, that comes out of our, out of our, you know, family of God, uh, that, that those things don't offer. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. It seems like we're all sort of just nodding. <laughs> <laughs> we all agree. Yeah. Any uh, any additional thoughts on how to show empathy? I think we we hit some pretty good ideas. Yeah, Aaron, it was really nice having your uh, your unique perspective with us this morning. Thanks for inviting me. I love it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah, I hope you'll join us every... again. <laughs> for sure. And I guess right. we'll have Austin back pretty soon too. Yeah, he's uh, he's on vacation this week, but he'll probably join us, and then the four of us can bounce off each other. Fantastic. I like that.
All right. Well, Pastor, would you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you for the conversation that you've given us. Thank you for uh, um, for making our joy complete. Uh, and we ask that you would uh, strengthen us this week uh, to look for opportunities where uh, those around us might be looking for that too. Uh, that as you have uh, filled us up with uh, even more, uh, that you would show us opportunities to share that um, that extra measure of joy, that extra measure of peace that comes out of knowing something lasting uh, with those around us. Open our eyes and then, and then give us words to speak and courage to speak them. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. 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 Thank you both for joining and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Yeah. Have a great week. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Pack the House show. For more content like this or to connect with us, visit our website, cornerstonelutheran.church.